what I realized when I was laying on our floor being honest with myself was that when I felt rejected or inadequate, I sought sexual acceptance. And the thing that makes you feel like a man is lust, which is a dark side of the social fabric of the world. I have to bring who I am to a role, mm-hmm. right? Instead of being defined by the role. How do you move, like, how do you get out of that space as a man when you're feeling inadequate, but you can't tell nobody that, and then you're having this sexual desire that you can't feel like you can't tell anybody that? Hey, what's up, man? It's your boy, Coach Crump here. Boy, Man King Podcast live in effect, man. We're excited. We got a special edition today with one of my homies, one of my road dogs, a brother from another, my man Charles. He's an author. He's a motivator. He's a coach. He got the juice, and he's going to give you the sauce on today's episode. So, Charles, man, I'm excited because all this stuff about you coaching and all this stuff about you being an entrepreneur, all this stuff about you being married and all this stuff about you got the sauce. What about that jumper, though, Charles? I heard you got that jumper, you know what I'm saying, bro, you know what I'm saying, from up top. They were like, yo, Charles, I came in to train his son. He was like, yo, I want you to train my son, right? My son really want to get good at basketball. So he want no dads to come in the gym. He come in the gym. He's like, yo, can I hold that ball real quick? I was like, all right, here, here's the ball, Charles. My man gets in there like, splash, you know what I'm saying, splash. He's like, you want me to meet you at LA Fitness, man, for some run? I'm thinking his son's coming to run. Who gets on the start doing the stretch boy? Like, you know what I'm saying? He gets in with the stretch boy. I'm like, okay. So, Charles, man, let the people know what you are. Let the people know what you're about. Introduce yourself to the people. Oh, man, my name is Charles Irving Henderson. Uh, lover of basketball, Christian, father, husband, uh, excuse me, uh, father for husband. Um, man, that's, yeah, that's just me, man. Yeah, so tell me about that basketball passion, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Get the people some sauce. Where did all that come from, man? Man, it came from a, a very tough place. Um, I started playing basketball in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just, seventh grade traveling, playing with my friends, and I just developed a love for the game. And it took me away from a lot of the stuff that was going on at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, it was just like, yo, this is, this is what I want to do. So I just, I love the game, man. It helped me to grow as a, a man, as a, as a person. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I owe, I owe basketball everything, man. Awesome, man. So how you feeling? How, how you, where you, you know, as far as your mind space, your, your emotional space, like how are you right now just in life? Like how are you right now? I'm in a really good space, man. Um, we were talking a little bit earlier about just being able to um, have difficult conversations. Mm. And I think that's that's where I'm at, where I'm able to have conversations that I just wasn't able to have, you know, mm. years ago. Mm. Um, and just being able to feel good about that. Yeah. You know, so mentally, emotionally, more so than anything, um, I'm in a really, really good space, man. Awesome, man. That's good to hear, man. So look, at the Boy Man King podcast, we really like to talk about the rites of passage for men and their journey and one of the things we want to kind of start is really in your childhood as Mm. a little boy like what are some significant experiences in your just childhood as a boy that really stood out to you that had an impact on you oh man well let me let me clarify that question positive or negative it doesn't matter (laughs) it doesn't matter man um well, the interesting thing, man, is that when you talk about rites of passage, um, I didn't really have one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to um, learn about a lot of stuff on my own. Um, 
particularly because I didn't feel like uh, the people who were in my life were willing to like teach me anything. Mm -hmm. So um, I think one of the major shifts in my life um, when I was a kid was being aware of my own awareness. Mm. Um, and what I mean Explain by, that So yeah. <laughs> My I used to uh, uh, As a kid I used to do this Crazy thing I would lay on the floor And I would imagine What life was like If the ceiling was on the floor And the floor was on the ceiling Mm-hmm. Right. What would I have to do to get through a different room? Like, you know, you're walking through, you don't, you, you walk underneath a door, but if it's on the floor, you got to step over. Mm-hmm. Right. And as a result of that, I began to question certain things in life. Like, why is it one day when, you know, my grandmother, I asked my grandmother a question, you know, she's fine. And then one day she just snapped at me mm-hmm. and I stopped people watching mm-hmm. and one of the things that I noticed was that when she didn't have money, mm. hell have no fear like my grandmother when she broke. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, and I began to notice that, oh, wow. Like if you pay attention enough to what's going on, you can kind of figure out why people are doing what they're doing. And then I started to apply that to myself. Mm. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? And how, so, how old were you think you were around that time when that kind of epiphany happened for you personally? Um, the self-awareness piece, just self-reflective, mm. started when I was about eight. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was about eight years old. So tell me something that kind of like, kind of hit you hard, that kind of hurt you as a child that you hadn't experienced as a boy, mm. that kind of that kind of carried over as you got older, it kind of affected you even in your more development years. Oh, yeah. So around the same time, um, I'll never forget, I was, uh, my, it was my uncle my brother, my grandmother, they were in the, the, the dining room, mm-hmm. you know, having this good old time. And, uh, you know, I was sitting in the living room, uh, you know, watching TV and mm-hmm. I'm like, yo, I want to be a part of that. I don't know why I just wanted to be, they seemed like they were having fun. So I make my way over to where they are and I stand between my brother and my grandmother mm-hmm. and my uncle would say something. My brother, my grandmother would laugh. My brother would say something. My uncle and my grandmother would laugh and they were just going back and forth. And I was like, man, I'm standing there like a double Dutch player. Just, I can't wait to kind of say something. And I don't remember what I said, but, um, it was just, I, it was met with just complete silence. Mm. And then my uncle, he leans back, looks around my brother and he says, I'm going to call you Budinsky for Button into the conversation and everybody laughed mm. and I felt like so small mm. you know and uh, the louder they got the the smaller I felt and mm. you know the louder when I, they got the smaller I felt that's yeah. a bar you know so the, mm. the thing that I derived from that experience was Charles nobody wants to hear what you have to say mm. wow the interpretation yeah yeah. And you said it, you said it before, you said, uh, uh, you know, children are uh, great observers, but horrible interpreters. Yeah. yeah. And I never, you know, that always stuck with me. Mm. And that was one of the pivotal things um, in my life because that stayed with me for about 30 years. Wow. 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 Yeah, that's crazy, man. I love when people kind of really talk about what happens as a child when they observe, but how they interpret it. Yeah. Because it probably wasn't even, you know, now that you're a very mature man, you can look back and like, that probably wasn't the intent for you to carry that all the way through your life and for you to feel small and you feel real like that you want to silence me 
But when you're that age and you're that impressionable, like that feeling goes into a belief system. Correct. You know what I'm saying? But because you never expressed it, now you're carrying it the whole time and, and dealing with it as it comes. So let's talk about that transition now. Now you're a boy. What's some significant experience that made you feel like I'm not a boy no more? Like what were some things in your adolescence or your young adult years that you felt like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm a man now? <laughs> The first time that I, and I remember it like it was clear as day because I talk about it a lot. I had, um, <clears throat> I was on my way to college mm. and um, I had bought my first car when I was 17 years old. Um, I bought it before I got my license to motivate me to get my license, $500. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I was going to college. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. $500. What type of whip was it? It was an Acura Integra. It was 1989. 1989? Yeah. $500? $500 stick. That's, that's, okay, stick. <laughs> and I, taught, I had to teach myself how to drive stick. Okay. That's impressive at 17, man. Yeah, man. So for, for those who are watching, right, back and before the year 2000, they had something that called a stick shift. Mm, you know what I'm that's saying? That's right. And you actually used to like work the car this way because you know, man, while we're about to go, the term of automatic and manual is about to be completely different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. they about to have automatic cars that you push a button and it literally drives you. And manual is you have to actually drive, drive the car. It. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where things about to go. But anyway, yeah, man. So 17. So um, I end up graduating high school and mm. I end up going to, to college and one of the things that I'm driving from where I live to, you know, my college, and it just, it was just like, yo, I'm an, I'm an adult. Mm. Like, I felt mature. Mm. It was the first time I had ever experienced that while I'm on the highway and I'm driving my own car that I paid for. Ooh, I'm talk heading that talk. To car. I'm heading to college, and education wasn't a priority in my household. Mm. So even me going to college was a rice of passage because I had graduated something on my own Mm. and now I'm going into something else. So that was the first time I had ever experienced this sense of, yeah, you, you actually remind me of my experience too, man. I was 18 and what was significant to me as we was, I was on the third floor of the dorm mm. and it was that my mom and dad was bringing the bags up, but that they all got in the car and left. Mm. It was like when they, when they left, it was like, you know, you grew up, I grew up in the same bed my whole life. So it was like when they left, I was like, yo, I'm an adult now. You know what I mean? Not really know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Because college is a whole plethora of experience of maturing. Mm-hmm. But I just, y- your story reminded me of my experience. I remember having even having the, the red fire shirt, you know what I'm saying, that I had on. Um, that at that time, it was just, I just remember like them leaving. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like you said, I was the first person in that house to do that. So my cousins came. It was like eight of them. You know what I mean? Like, well, just my mom and dad. And it was all like, this is it. Bye. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, they leaving and I'm staying and I'm 18. And it was pretty dope. So I, I your story reminded me of my experience having that, man. That's fire. So you're in college, but as you navigate life, as you go through life, you know, one thing that even though we have that rights of passage to say that, hey, physically, you're a man, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> legally, you know, at some point you're a man. But I want to know what were some experiences as a man that you realized, like, 
I really got a bunch of gaps, man. Like I really, I really am struggling with some of the basic things that I didn't think that I would be struggling with. And then the ahas of nobody actually never taught me how to deal with this though as a man. What were some of those experiences as a man? Um, uh, man, I, I'm I'm trying to like pick like is there one because yeah. you have so many situations where um you feel inadequate. Mm. And I think that was more so, it wasn't necessarily a specific incident. It was just noticing the feeling that I had emotionally that, yo, often I feel like I'm unprepared. Mm. And what is that with a man? What do we do? Because I felt the same way, particularly in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Like when you feel inadequate as a man, but you are a man, but you can't tell nobody that you feel inadequate. Like what are some of the things you had to do to cope what are some of the things that you probably became a vice? Mm-hmm. Like what? Like get get us into the mind of of a man who's physically a man, right? Legally a man, but feel inadequate as a man. What are some of the things you go and do and experience? So, are we about to get real deep. So I had one of the most profound revelations as a 39, 40 year old, mm. right? Where I'm laying down and I just feel this, like, why do I want to go and be with some woman I haven't even thought about in decades? Mm. Like, what is that? Mm. And I sort of give context. Yeah. At this age, what is your current relationship I'm, I'm situation? Married. You're married. I'm how, married. How long you been married? I've been married for two, three, no, what is 2000? What are we, 2022? So four years. So you was married for four years. Yeah. And you're sitting there and you're not, you're thinking about. Well, let me, let me, let me preface this. Uh, I'm married for five years, right? And now I'm in the process of uh, separation, Mm. right? And I am in a situation where it's, it's difficult, Mm. but I'm. It's like you're in a real bad situation. Why are you even thinking about this? Mm. Right. And I was just like, yo, I've learned <clears throat> in order for me to really be able to deal with whatever it is I'm going through, I got to be honest with myself. Mm. Like, I got to be totally uh, unapologetically honest with myself. Oh, man, I feel that. So, talk about that as a man. Like, do you feel like from 17 to 39 for 22 years, that you was lying to yourself that whole time? It wasn't necessarily lying. It was just, it wasn't deliberately lying, right? I was trying to cope, Yeah. right? So what you do when you're trying to cope with whatever you're going through is you suppress pain, Mm. right? You suppress emotional pain. And like I was saying before, what I realized when I was laying on our floor being honest with myself was that when I felt rejected or inadequate, I sought sexual acceptance. Mm. And that's what a lot of men do, right? Uh, you, you, you start to seek out acceptance because you didn't feel accepted in whatever situation you're in, and it plays out in these different ways. So, and here's, it's like a double taboo, right? So you're supposed to be the man, but you feel inadequate, and the thing that makes you feel like a man is lust, 
which is a dark side of the social fabric of the world, yep. whether you want to go to a strip club or whether you want to go to a, a, a outhouse, whether you want to go to a private hotel, the thing that makes you in the moment feel like a man is is taboo to the society, even sometimes against your morals and values that you may even believe in. But how do you move? Like, how do you get out of that space as a man when you're feeling inadequate, but you can't tell nobody that? And then you're having this sexual desires that you can't feel like you can't tell anybody that. <laughs> and you're not living in your truth. You know what I mean? I think what you just said, you have to find the truth. Mm. You have to be willing to be totally vulnerable with yourself. I said, I told someone the other day, if you can't be vulnerable with you, then how you expect to be vulnerable with somebody else? One, that's irresponsible. Mm. It's very irresponsible. So being able to... But, but help, help, help our audience when it comes to like when a man is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Practically, what does that mean? Like, what does that look like? Give me an example of a man being vulnerable. You being vulnerable. Like, when you say, now, I'm learning to be vulnerable with myself. Like, what are you doing? I have to be... I ha- For me, it looked like I had to verbally say out loud, out of my mouth, that I sought sexual acceptance when I felt rejected. I had to say that. Because I could play base head games with myself as long as it's not coming out of my mouth. Well, it's not real. Mm. Right? Uh, I could, I could, I could push it into the, the the background of my awareness where I'm not conscious of it. So, do you say it out loud to somebody as well to hold yourself accountable to that vulnerability, or you're just expressing your truth just to kind of more operate in it? I think it, I don't think it's necessary to say it to someone else until you get comfortable with saying it to yourself. Mm, stages to this thing. There's stages to it, yeah. right? I have to be okay with what this means to me Mm. because there is well there is a well what does that mean am I like evil am I vile am I Mm. all that stuff comes into play when you have to admit the truth wow right and um so I think that's one of the hardest things that men have to do in terms of overcoming a lot of the stuff that they're dealing with eternally is the process of being vulnerable with themselves about themselves yeah and that's like the first major step that's the first major step so you take that step right and you start to grow in this space and now you know charles you know just kind of from afar you know what i mean i'm seeing you grow strength to strength in the past year like crazy like you know the situation i think you have um restored your marriage Mm -hmm. um you know you reconnected with your children in a different way yeah um and you you speak with this power and authority um talk about when we talk about rights as passage from going from a boy to being a man to now becoming a king what are some of the things now that you feel like you're more operating in your proper anointing or calling or arriving as a man because now you're not just thinking about you doing you for you but you understand the role you play and how that helps everybody else as well Mm. so talk about this space now that what what are some ahas (laughs) what are some some huge takeaways what are some fundamental now shifts and beliefs in you that you now have come to this point as you walk into your kingship um, primarily is that integrity with self is health and wealth. Mm. Um, identity is um, huge in terms of being able to 
play these roles because, um, and I, uh, Jake had brought this up earlier, I have to bring who I am to a role, mm-hmm. right? Instead of being defined by the role. Mm. So um, the question I was asking earlier of myself in, in terms of just being able to frame this is, who am I and how do I show up in this role as opposed to who, I'm, who am I as this role? Mm. Two fundamentally different questions. One looks at, you know, yourself and the standards that you have and what you and how that plays out in the role. And then one looks at the role and the expectations of the role and how you're supposed to fit to it. Mm. And that's dangerous because you can't live authentically, you know, as who you are trying to fit a role to you. You have to bring you to that role. So let's give me an example with my son. Um, just so for context, you know, my children are not biologically mine. Mm. Right. So as a parent, right. Who am I? Like, who are you Charles? And now who are you as a parent? Mm. So if I'm a parent and I operate based on all these expectations of what a parent is supposed to be, I'm ineffective in my relationship with my son. Why? Because I'm not taking into consideration, one, who I am and the context that I'm in. He has a dad. Yeah, but let's 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 talk about that, bro. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big that's a big hurdle for families and for men to parent some, you know, now, I want to say somebody else's child, but, you know, yeah. that's not your bloodline. Yeah. But you took on the responsibility when the, there is a fit, there is a biological dad still out there. And this this resonates with me heavy because I was adopted. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to hear from your perspective. What is your energy and mindset going into something that, you know, you have to be the dad of children that have a dad? In your house Day mm. to day Like what is your mind How are you thinking Why are you thinking that way <laughs> Well when you go into Something like that You know You you have one You have a thought process About how this is going to be Right He wasn't around I didn't think it was going to be Issues You know so forth and so on um, But when it becomes Issues You know it, It's really about the relationship between you and the child. It's, it's not really about the relationship with anybody else. It's what is the relationship based on the context? And what I realized was it's going to be hard for him to see me as dad. Mm. For me to f- effectively parent him to the word parent means to raise, to, mm. to nurture, to help him grow. For me to effectively help him grow, right? I have to be his coach, Mm. So you you kind of got off of the whole fighting to be dad, and you just focus on being a parent. Yeah, bar, bro. That's a, <laughs> bro. That's a bar, man. That 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 that. I think it, literally that's a mindset shift. That and and you said something else powerful, bro. You said that you focused on what makes a parent effective is the relationship with that child and nobody else. That's it. Yeah, and we had a pr- horrible. We had a horrible start. We had a we had a pretty good start. Then it became really. He didn't like me, mm-hmm. and now like we have a pretty good. Like we went to a basketball game. I don't think in the last seven years I've been with my wife, we've shared a real genuine laugh together, and we had one the other day where he sought. Come on, me man. Come on. Hello, man. Come on. Let's grab just a. Hey, hey, listen, man. Here's the thing, man. We don't celebrate 
men enough. I want to celebrate mm-hmm. you, bro, because men know these timestamps, yeah. right? Well, so when somebody like people don't realize, man, when people when people are waiting years for a genuine laugh. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't realize, like, so my whole thing about all of this energy is that we talk about identity and purpose of man and all that. I just want to remind people that a man is a human. He's a human. Like, brother, he's a human. Like, he has the same feelings, thoughts, and fears as every other human in the world. And so sometimes people take it for granted that you want a good laugh, a genuine laugh, a genuine kiss, a genuine hug. That's it. That somebody wanted to give yeah. you that only because you was a human. Not because you did anything. Not because you performed. Not because you hold a title. Mm-hmm. Not because you have money, but because you are a human. Mm-hmm. And men suffer in silence because you're moving all around. So I thank you for waiting that seven years as a parent, bro, who's parenting somebody else's child and waiting for your wife to give you the value validation and what you do as a parent as a man to be there and share that experience together I'm so happy for you because I understand what it's like to stand in that space mentally and emotionally and just wait just wait to be recognized that yes I'm a man but more importantly I'm a human Mm -hmm. so yeah man that's powerful bro let's let's transition man so you you Make these moments, you you hang in there, you become this incredible parent to your children, you're supporting your wife, you're getting back on. Like, what is Charles Irving, the coach, up to now, man? What do you got going on? Oh, man. Um, so I just finished uh, my, well, not just finished, but we just released my book. Emotionally Empowered, The Power of Building a Better Relationship with Yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really talks about that that journey of um, removing yourself from trying to live up to the expectations of the roles that society play or tells you you have to play, the, the expectations of being a husband, a father, and all these different things. And getting back to that place of what do I truly value? Mm-hmm. Who am I? And learning to walk in integrity with yourself because the reality of it is, is that a lot of the reasons for why we do and don't do something is because of where we are emotionally. Mm. Mm. Wow. So there's that. I'm working on my coaching program um, as we speak. Well, not as we speak, but <laughs> yeah. at this time um, and building the business around that, man. That's it. Awesome. I want to give a big shout out to Jake. You you said Jake name, man. Jake got the juice. He's our videographer, man, giving us the sauce. But I also want to shout out my co-host, Chizzy. He couldn't be here today, man. But, man, that's my right-hand man. And uh, he sends his love, man. And so I I want you to say, what are some things you want to, to leave us with that are important going forward? Um... It's funny because I was thinking about this question earlier. Like if there was one thing that I could give, if I could teach this one thing, what would it be? And it comes from a book called Seven Habits to Highly Effective People. And Mm. that's um, seek first to understand, Mm. then to be understood. But Mm. focusing on the seeking first to understand because... It's in the understanding that you gain greater knowledge, wisdom, insight, and understanding um, to be able to navigate these challenges that you're having both internally that's manifesting itself externally. What you do, what's happening in, in you mm. is, 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 is manifesting itself. And if you can overcome what's going on emotionally, you mm. can navigate anything. 
Awesome. Man, look, man, I want to say, man, on behalf of our team, man, we really appreciate you coming through, bro. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. You know what I'm saying? It's all love, all day, every day, and twice on Sunday, man. But, yeah, um, thank you for a great episode. Guys, appreciate you checking in, and we'll catch up to you soon, man. Thanks, Charles. No, thank you, man. I appreciate you. All right, man. All right.